You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 176, Gore Guts. Hosted by Dan Terry. Oh, man. Now we're in the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. And Joseph Wren. And Omek. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you thought the only way to make Global Guts better was to add gore, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Well, everybody, welcome back to Global Gore Guts. My name is Dan. I'm your host. We're going to be going through every single Gore Guts album on this episode. And if you are able to survive every album by the band Gore Guts, then you are going to have to make your way to the very top of the Gore Crag. I don't know if I can do it, dude. Oh, well, you're going to have to do it, Joe, since you're the only contestant we have on the show today. What if I want to back out? There is no backing out. You can consider yourself dead. That's where the spike are well the thing is is that if your sanity erodes too quickly you're going to end up in obscura my friend what if i really want to be the guy well you know Gorguts is a very interesting band it has been a band that i've wanted to talk about on this show since uh since we started the show like we, we got to talk about it and honestly i'm 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 feeling a little I'm feeling a little raw that Jeff's not here hey, y'all. because I feel like Jeff would be Jeff's like my death grind guy. Deep but uh, I'm going to try to solo it the best that I possibly can. Hey, stupids. I'm here, too. And uh, Joe is just going to be trying to survive so that he can eventually climb the crag. I don't remember what the crag was made out of. It was like weird jutting metal, but like looking back on it, it probably was just made out of plastic, right? It looks like foam to me, dude. Foam, plastic. I'm sure there's wood in there somewhere, but nowhere that you or I could ever see. I mean, it looked so intimidating. And they had like smoke machines like inside of it. So it just like blast smoke in people's faces right when they were about to get to the top. I mean, it was rough, but it couldn't have been that bad, right? I mean, they, they put children on it. Did you ever see the kids that didn't make their way to the top? No, now that I think about it, I did not ever see those kids. So Not ever again. This is kind of a Willy Wonka situation here. You just never really see them. Pure imagination. Well, getting into pure imagination, if your imagination is just totally jacked up and all you like to think about is death and gore, go listen to Cannibal Corpse, because despite their name, Goreguts isn't really that type of band, at least not at least not on uh, not on their later albums. Uh, they they kind of have a very similar arc, I guess, as a musical arc as the band Death, where they started off with like death and gore and, and blood and guts and destruction and all of that. But as they go on, they become really, really, really good at calculus and everything gets uh, really, really, really technical. <laughs> Well, before Dan busts out the graphing calculator and forgets to reset the equation, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the show. Even if it's not five stars, we'll read it on the show probably, like unless you're a butthead, but that's okay too. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling that day. Leave us a review. 
share the episodes, share them with all your friends and family, people that may or may not actually care about the show. Make them care about the show. Make your grandma <laughs> listen to a conversation about gore guts. All of the shows presented by DiscussMetal.com, including Discography Discussion, are supported financially by our Discography Discussion patrons, and we have some names that we'd like to shout out right now. That would be Alexander, Brian Dean, David Brown, Isaiah Eldridge, Jeffrey De Los Santos, The Actual Mac, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, Kiki Kuti, do you love me? I do love you. Ken Zapla, you didn't say I did you didn't say I pronounced it wrong last time, so if I did, you know, just please tell me. Lance Allegood, The King of Metal, Patrick Asplund, Samuel Woodward, and Tantalized Fungians. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show and uh, letting us pay all the horrific fees that it costs to have a podcast up on the internet these days. Plus, uh, you know, whenever we have microphones break, we have things that go wrong. The studio sets itself on fire or we have to build a new computer from scratch because the old one is dying a slow, horrible death. You guys have made that 100% possible for us. And we, we love you because of that. Thank you so much. We got a YouTube comment on episode 173, Unearth. Satanic Puppy Overlord says, Funnily enough, the march is generally considered a disappointment when compared to the first three albums. Personally, I think Unearth is the peak of technical, melodic metalcore above all their peers. The peak? The peak? I I agree largely, but I cannot cannot get behind the march not being as good as the first three albums. Uh, Now, hear me out. The first album comes really 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 close uh but i i don't know man oncoming storm and then that one other one the uh with the number three in it was not <laughs> it, yeah just those those albums just washed over me like a paper mache brick man they, they just they didn't do it for me they probably would have back in the day but yeah uh for me this band is like the first album the march and on he also goes on to say that just a darkest hour episode and my life will be complete well, it's funny you say that because I am also a Darkest Hour fan, and uh, I've got a funny story about that band that I'll tell on the episode whenever we get to the episode. So keep on commenting. I love responding to them. I love disagreeing with them too. I, I don't know why. I just I, I'm just a disagreeable dude. So Dan, tell me about Gore Guts. Gore Guts is a Canadian death metal band. They formed in 1989. The band is basically i mean at this point they're just this they're just one guy um and i don't know whether his name is pronounced luke or luck it's just l-u-c uh it's either lemay or lemay i'm gonna say lemay not gonna say his last name again any more times for this entire episode but uh long story short this this band is the vision of this guy singer guitar player extraordinaire he's the guy that sat down one day and said i want to start a band called gore guts what do you think about that mom and uh you know this is they're very interesting in the sense that they really weren't like amazing starting out i would say their very first album considered dead is probably what you would expect from a band called gore guts 1991 considered dead is is well it's considered a uh, a death metal classic uh, recorded at more sound studios in tampa florida by Scott Burns, who else, uh, with a Dan Seagrave uh, cover <laughs> on the, of the album. And amazing. I, I love all of Dan Seagrave's uh, cover artwork, uh, or I guess just his artwork. I don't I don't know if he was commissioned to do these or 
if this was just his art and they just like bought it for him i really should probably know the story behind that but for whatever reason i don't um but i love the cover uh just uh it's just a picture of an inside of a tomb and there's like a skeleton in a in in, in a coffin but it's like he's like blended into the concrete and there's like this gigantic terrifying robot alien thing it's weird man you just have to look at it it's awesome i and actually i've got it pulled up on uh dan seagrave's website right now so maybe we'll link a picture to that at some point uh maybe i'll put it up on the instagram uh, a little bit later but it is absolutely like one of my favorite dan seagrave covers uh except for maybe the one for the next core guts album but uh talking about the music uh this guy starts off with a super super melodic a song called and then comes lividity and it's one of my favorite things about early, about early death metal where they would have like a super creepy melodic technical intro it sounds like something you'd hear like in the first diablo game like it's it's eerie and then as the album goes on you start to get more or less what you would expect I mean, Joe, when you hear a band called Gore Guts, what, what kind of style of music do you think that they're going to play? It's going to be early to mid-90s, dirgy death metal. And that was going to be my question at the start of this episode if you hadn't gone into that spiel about the fucking aggro crag. What the fuck are you expecting if the band is called Gore Guts? It's going to dirge and dirge and dirge. It's going to be dissonant. It's going to sound like absolute grotesque, made-up-on-the-spot shit. But it's going to be amazing. And whatever happens, the drummer is going to be playing as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, you're not wrong. Although I don't know how I don't know if this record's super fast. I'm I'm definitely more a fan of the dirging. They absolutely do blast, but it seems like it seems like at the beginning of a song they'll just start blasting like really hard. And then as you actually settle into the main riff, you kind of get a little bit more of a more mid-paced obituary type of groove. So like I hear like a little bit of early cannibal corpse and a little bit of like obituary on considered dead and i love this record i i don't think it's really the height of their stuff but it is it is the first gore guts record i ever heard and it was the very first one i heard that actually sounded exactly like what i thought the band would sound like um but yeah i mean you you don't have anything super original here with it being you know again Morrisound Studio, Scott Burns, Tampa, Florida, whatever year it was. You just told me what year it was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say like, yeah, I mean, for early 90s death metal, it was 91, but uh, for early 90s death metal, this is this is pretty par for the course. Um, this is still an exciting genre in 91, but you're, you're mainly just getting heavy, fast riffs. You're getting mid-paced riffs. A little bit of doom. The vocals are notably very extreme for that year. That was one of the things that I picked out because, like, a lot of the bands at that time, like Death and even the first Cannibal Corpse album, uh, the vocals still sounded more like thrash vocals. And this is this is kind of one of the first ones I remember hearing that actually had that super guttural Cookie Monster quality to it and uh it's cool i i love it and uh every now and again th this reminds me musically as much as i want to compare it to like scream bloody gore by death it's more it's more like leprosy uh than it is scream bloody gore because of the lead guitar work is uh i don't know man like every now and again they'll just throw in like kind of a super techie sounding lead or a super techie sounding like uh solo or just something something that, that kind of cuts through all the crap and it's like yeah dude 
we could go full on tech death right now, but we're not doing it for whatever reason. Let's talk about Cookie Monster in the context of the vocals presented by Gorguts. It's not so much Cookie Monster in the lower register. It sounds like Cookie Monster is screaming for his life. It has this inhuman shriek that's on top of the death growling. So you have the but it sounds like he's yelling to someone over in the corner, hey guys, at the same time. Is there (laughs) anyone else that does that in this brutal death metal genre? Maybe Chris Barnes a little bit uh, from Cannibal Corpse, and uh, who actually, um, Chris Barnes actually does do guest vocals on three songs on this album, which is uh, Rotten Anatomy. It's a mixture of Rotten and Anatomy, and I just can't say it right, so I'm not going to. Uh, (laughs) Bodily Corrupted and uh, Hematological Allergy all have Chris Barnes. And then uh, James Murphy, who uh, played in Death and in Obituary, uh, contributed a guest guitar solo on the final track, Inoculated Life. Uh, So, I mean, it's not that they didn't have a good sound. Obviously, they had good friends. And um, But the the only criticism I'm going to lob against this album is that it's not as good as the gore guts that we're going to get. And that's the only bad thing I can say about it, because, again, it's the first album. It's not their fault that they didn't write Obscura first. You know, it's that's, it's just not it's not what I'm getting at here. As a self-contained death metal release, this is absolutely as good, if not better, than a lot of their peers that year. It's certainly better. It's certainly better than Obituary. Your expectations with brutal death metal from the early '90s is that you're going to get a very dry-sounding, mid-scooped-out cassette tape of a record, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be fast. It's going to be heavy. That's it. I'm not expecting the best musicianship or the best songwriting or, hey, guys, this band kind of sounds like Metallica on this spot or they kind of ripped off Slayer over here. It's just supposed to be brutal and intense. The origin is punk rock. So energy is what you're looking for, even if energy is slow and dirty. Well, you know, you say that's all, but it's really it's not all, Joe, because we're going to get the erosion of sanity. 1993. This record, in a lot of ways, just kind of continues on the same way that uh, the first record then Considered Dead did. Um, Considered Dead is a fantastic record. The Erosion of Sanity is a better record, but it's it's hard because I consider I kind of consider um, this Gorguts and the post Obscura Gorguts to be different bands uh, because they are. Like, let's not let's not be let's not spoilers. Spoil here. <laughs> they are a different band. Um, Erosion of Sanity, you know, like I was saying, um, what, what I was saying about about Considered Dead and how it really, every now and again, they, they do something a little bit more technical, not quite progressive, but just a little bit more technical. Um, this record's even more so, uh, to, to the point where, like, it has a more epic sound. There's more division between the rhythm and lead guitar. The dirging is more dirgy. And the record just has this very, very dark, hollow, decayed sound to it, which I think really, really, really works for death metal. Absolutely. It's more of the same, but I want that with a band called Gorguts. I want it to sound dark and hollow and dirge. They slow down even more, and they speed up even more. 
but the record just sounds like more time was spent with it. I don't think they wrote some outstanding death metal classics, but there's a difference between what came out in 91 and 93, and it's arguably a better record. A lot of it's a matter of opinion. I know some people love Considered Dead and say it's the best Gore Guts album, but those people are idiots. Um, really, I mean, I the songs like Condemned to Obscurity... Um, a path beyond premonition and the final track dormant misery are in my opinion death metal classics this record is fantastic it's just that the style that they were playing in 1993 death metal did not have a very long mainstream success not that it really had mainstream success but i mean there was a time where it was more popular, uh, at least in the underground. You could sign a death metal band to your label and sell, you know, a lot of records. Um, you know, and that's without MTV play. That's, you know, all of that. But really, death metal was hot between, like, what, 1988, 1991, 1992. So by 93, people were starting to kind of, like, move away from death metal. Black metal was starting to peek its head out in Norway a little bit more. And people were starting to get kind of more into hardcore. Um, new metal would be starting up in a couple of minutes. You know, so this record, unfortunately, doesn't get the credit it deserves. It is absolutely a death metal classic. But it came out in a time where I just don't think that people were ready to appreciate it. And because of that, um, Roadrunner Records just dropped the band from their label because it just wasn't sellable. And I think I think a lot of that probably led to the band kind of like... They basically ceased to exist. I mean, they, they just disappeared. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you know, I just put out a great record, but ha you know, the, we're dropped from the record label, and the band can't really recover from that because maybe this was these dudes' job. I don't know how I don't know how well they were doing financially at the time, but um, basically everybody quit except for the lead singer guitarist. And, and in so the 90s when we didn't have streaming services, we didn't have the internet, we had what was on the radio, and we had what your friend that you met at the show gives you a copy of on a cassette tape that he personally copied off of a vinyl or a CD, most likely at that time. So if you were a fan of this band, it's because you were part of the underground. You were part of the party. It's not like you were listening to Gorguts at 1030 at night on your local heavy metal radio station, because I would love to know where you were listening to Gorguts at 1030 at night on your local metal radio station. The point yeah, I is... Yeah, move there. Yeah. The band was successful enough to continue touring and making records, but the goal is still get signed to the record label, get that distribution, get that merchandising, and become more successful. Although I don't know how you could expect that in 1993, 1994, when you're playing this type of underground death metal and grunge is the pop of the day. I think they had a good run. I think the old gore guts lasted about as long as they could possibly last. Because here's the thing. All the problems that I described that were going on in 1993 are still going on in 1998 when the band decides to come back, right? Um, he gets an entire new lineup together. And I, I don't know how else to say this. They couldn't have returned as the old gore guts. Nobody would have cared. The only band I can think of that got away with that was Obituary. And honestly, like they didn't get away with that for me. Um, 
but they had they had to do something to set them apart. And this is this is where all of those technical leanings, all of these every now and again the band would play something that was just above and beyond everything else that was going on on the record or even even in the individual song. Obscura for lack of a better description sounds like death metal played by aliens. I don't know how else to I don't know how else to describe it. Um it's it's on the same level as the first time I heard Meshuggah, where they were playing music that I just didn't I couldn't compartmentalize what was going on. And the first time I heard this, it, I hated it because I, I didn't get it. I was like, what is going on here? Like they're still they're still playing death metal, but it's all done. I don't know, man. Like it's being played in another dimension, like scrambled somehow for us to be able to hear it. I don't I don't really know how else to describe it. So here's what we're gonna do, guys. We're gonna go record the newest record by Gore Guts. We need you to mic up all of the instruments. We're all going to play in different rooms of the studio, and nobody gets headphones. That just sounds like the worst idea ever. But we're going to do it anyway. There are moments on this record where the only thing that could be happening is the band is ignoring what the rest of the band is playing. Then they pull it all together, and it all starts to make sense. It's a different type of dirge. It's not even progressive. It's just a wall of randomness and guitar noises, and the drummer is playing whatever the hell he wants. The vocals don't mean anything because I'm trying to figure out what riff I'm supposed to be listening to. They're not playing in different time signatures. It sounds like they're all tied together on one long string of ideas but they don't always line up, and yet I'm still listening to it, and I'm still analyzing it, and I'm trying to figure out where this came from. This is board up the house levels of randomness, even though there are no electronics. It's hard for me to believe that a lot of this was played on traditional instrumentation, and I'm gonna be honest, I've been listening to this record for years, and I love it. It's definitely the kind of record that I'll put on to make myself feel musically superior to all my friends. Uh, it's kind of like that guy that only listens to jazz and tells everybody their favorite bands suck because he listens to jazz. Hey, man, what are you um, listening to over there? It's not a, it's not a great argument uh, by any stretch, but I think Obscura is, after listening to it, pro I probably listened to it about 70 times. Um, not this week, but I did listen to it four or five times this week just to kind of get, get my bearings again because it had been a while. And at first, it's really, really hard to make heads or tails of. But as you listen to it, the more you start understanding the Gorguts way of doing things, it all comes together extremely well. The dr this drummer, the guy that plays drums on this record, uh, is, is a guy named Patrick Robert, and he is leaps and bounds better than their old drummer who just played death metal stuff. This is like having to having to know how to play grindcore and jazz drums, but be like a thousand percent proficient in each style. Um, the time signatures don't make sense. The riffs don't make sense. I don't even know if you could call them solos. Even the vocals aren't like even. It's the same guy, but he sounds more like a wounded animal than he, than than like Cookie Monster on this. And it is just a very ultimately very unsettling strange uncomfortable record to listen to and it's awesome <laughs> like i have no other way to say it like because i just sit there i just sit there getting lost in the technical ecstasy of it no pun intended um but like it it is the kind of record that will really suck you in and as soon as you feel like you're about to get it it's over 
There are no words to explain Obscura. It is one of the records that you have to listen to to truly understand the randomness that we're describing. And this is coming from fans who have been listening to the record for years. I can't sit you down and explain the decisions that are made on Obscura. They have to be heard to be truly understood. And even then, you're not going to get it, but you're going to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not listening to this band ever. You're also not listening to Between the Buried and Me. You're not even listening to old school jazz. Just saying. Right, yeah. Um, it's, it's none of those things and all of those things. I know it's really crappy. Now, I, I will lobby probably the dumbest criticism anybody could ever make about this record. And I admit that it's a dumb criticism, but I'm throwing it in just for the sake of contrast. Um, it doesn't do much for mem- memorability. Uh, because even on the old Gorgut songs, I kind of remembered some of those songs and could like name them out. To me, Obscura is just one giant one-hour sound, and I'm fine with that, but I don't remember it whenever I'm done listening to it. And that's why I think e- even coming back to it for to do this episode, I felt like, oh, yeah, Obscura, I remember that. That's pretty cool. What do I remember about that? So I had to listen to it a whole bunch of times again before I felt like I actually got it. And uh, eventually, you know, I did get it. It was cool. I would go a step further and say that you don't remember the songs in Obscura, But unlike other bands that have done the randomness test, progressive, contemporary, adult death metal, whatever the hell you want to call it, unlike those bands, you remember the sounds that Gorguts makes on Obscura. You might not remember what order they're in, but they have moments that remind you where you are within the music. And that's something that I think is very unique because even with all this randomness that I shouldn't be able to follow or even understand or describe, I still hear these moments that remind me where I am in the story. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's got placeholders for sure, but like, it's definitely not a record that I recommend you listen to in a shuffle or anything like that. I don't think that these songs, I think you're doing a discredit to these songs if you don't leave them together with the group. And it is a record that you absolutely should sit down and listen to from beginning to end without skipping anything. Um, Because this isn't a record necessarily for your enjoyment. It is a record that is going to teach you that there is far more to music than you thought that you could perceive. This is like Tony Danza decided to do a contemporary jazz record, but they didn't change the instruments or the sounds that they were playing. I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these chaos core bands and stuff that we talk about, I think a lot of them pull, whether directly or indirectly, pull a lot of their influences from records like Obscura. Um, and you know, it's it's different, it's weird, and I think I think the band felt that way too, uh, to to a certain degree, uh, because I'm trying to do math here. Three years later, two years later. Uh, they recorded, they released it in 2001, but they recorded it in 2000, uh, from wisdom to hate. This sounds like very light chaos core. This is basically, I like to, I I, see, I thought you were going to say this is very light obscura because it very much is that it uses a lot of the same weird technical experimentation that you had on obscura, but they kind of mix it into a more straightforward death metal sound. Um, and when I say death metal, it doesn't really really sound like the old albums, uh, like Considered Dead. 
but it is a little bit more digestible. And I, I know I use this I use this kind of timeline to describe a lot of bands. I know I did it with Unearth recently, but um, this record sounds like it should have come out between Erosion of Sanity and Obscura. Like it almost seems like they should have built up from this into Obscura. This record had elements of Obscura in it, but I think somebody was like, we need to cool our jets a little bit here and put out a record that, you know, maybe people would kind of enjoyed listening to a little bit more like that that stupid guy that doesn't get it criticism that i gave obscura for not being accessible like as ridiculous it is as it is for me to take an album like that and complain about it not being uh not being accessible uh this record somehow kind of pulls that off where it's like we're gonna do some of the crazy stuff that we did on obscura but we're gonna give it to you in a form that you're going to understand a little bit better. It's like someone came to the studio that day and said, guys, we went too far. We need to cool our fucking jets. Obscura is great, and I like it, but we've gone too far off the map. This isn't going to work. We need to back it up just a little bit. But how do you go back to the classic death metal sound of the Erosion of Sanity or Considered Dead even though Obscura was random, done to the highest level of proficiency, you either have to completely turn around or you have to just keep doing that thing. Backing off a little bit, I don't think it works as well. I enjoy the record, but I enjoy the record in contrast to Obscura. This isn't an anorexia nervosa situation where one is arguably more enjoyable sonically even though the story is very dark and disturbing. This is, okay, it's not Obscura, but it could be Obscura. Why am I not listening to Obscura? See, I don't know. Like, Obscura is the kind of record that I have to be in a certain mindset to really listen to. You know, I, I never, like, wake up in the morning, go to work, have a normal work day, come home, talk to my wife, play with my kids, watch some TV with, some, with the wife, and then go downstairs and turn on <laughs> Obscura. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that type of record like i'll be honest it's a record that i kind of only listen to when i'm like in a bad place um it's like it's like my version of sadness shall prevail you know like it's um it's not super enjoyable where but but i mean still like amazing like i don't it's so hard to it's so hard to really to say but on on from wisdom to hate that's a record that i can kind of just listen to like i can just put it on and enjoy what i'm hearing and be like oh cool experimentation part here oh this was this was neat oh i wasn't expecting that you know like it has it has all of those elements and that's that's something that i really really latched on to with this record and i feel like uh is it their best no but it's kind of one of those if you're scoring it with all the albums here all the albums so far it's best overall as far as its appeal uh, appeal to a certain amount of people. Not everybody's going to like Obscura. Not everybody's going to get Obscura. But they might check out From Wisdom to Hate. You could convince an underground death metal fan to step out of their comfort zone and listen to this one. I don't know if you could do the same thing with a new metal fan in 2001, but this is extreme metal in some way, shape, or form. Oh, it's very extreme, and it's very depressing, and I love it. Um, the only, and you know, speaking of depressing, I feel the need to mention this before somebody decides to comment that I forgot to mention this. Uh, their drummer on this record, Steve McDonald, um, had a history of depression and ended up committing suicide in 2002, which eventually led to the band breaking up. And then, so this is basically, this is basically the second, uh, Gore Guts breakup. 
just not a band that ever really caught on it seems like uh which is unfortunate because i mean their stuff is fantastic uh but they just it, for whatever reason it's one of those bands where one guy has an idea and he keeps just revolving through people that decide to show up I feel like we're having the embodiment conversation again where, yeah, it's different than the last record, but it's still really fucking good. So why did they stop showing up? I understand in this situation, there's a reason, but you still have the same feeling as the listener. You still wonder why didn't it catch on? Even in the underground, somebody must have been really latching on to this but it doesn't seem that way. I don't hear a lot of people talk about gore guts. No, and it's a shame. It really is. Um, because they were fantastic. You know, we, we tend to trash bands that are like basically one guy. Uh, but in a case like gore guts, I think, you know, very similar to Chuck Schuldner and death. Um, you know, this, this was a guy that had a vision and wanted to continue to push himself. And I think part of that is, if you, I mean, if you just listen to these records, like, the, the kind of stuff that he expects people to play is stuff that people don't play. You know, like, oh, you know, you should join my band. We're called Gorguts. Oh, what do you guys play? Well, we kind of play, we play like death metal. Oh, okay, cool. So like, like, like Cannibal Quartz? Well, no, it's not really like that. Okay, well, what is it like? Uh, like a grind thing? Like a napalm death? No, it's not really like that. Is it like tech death? Like, uh, like death? Yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit like that, but um, not not exactly the same, no. Um, and and so it, it it's kind of it's kind of got like that trout mask replica uh, feeling where you've got a guy that's basically like trying to get people to play stuff that people haven't ever played before, and that's hard. That's really hard. The band leader is the vocalist. He has an idea in his head, but. He's the vocalist. He may or may not play instruments. He doesn't know how to explain what sound he wants you to make. But this is another Mars Volta situation or even the Chariot Josh Scoogan situation. The guy in charge wants everybody to be able to do. What does do mean? Depends on the day. Depends on the sound of the song. Depends on the riff. But he needs everyone to be able to just move forward, not necessarily stop what you're doing and figure out how to make the sound. You need to be able to go with it. It is very much a jazz characteristic, just saying, for the naysayers in the room or in their own room virtually here. Not talking about Dan. Well, they okay, had broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's a vocalist, but I mean, he, he does play guitar. So I think... I think it's more of a situation of, hey, check out what I wrote. And everybody's like, wait, how do you expect me to play that? And then he's like, he's like, figure it out, you know? Um, So it's almost more of a Claudio Sanchez than a Josh Scoggin, you know, Uh, in that this is what my vision is. This is my concept. But yeah, so the band broke up in, uh, in, I think it was 2005. And then they kind of returned for a while uh, in 2013. And we got another album by them, which was called Colored Sands. Oh, Colored Sands. It sounds like a Windows 95 font. Oh, Windows 95 fonts. Yep. I like the one where it was like all fish. But anyway, this record is, again, a pretty notable departure uh, from from Obscura, you know, from from, from Wisdom to Hate. I mean, it's different. Uh, This is a little bit... 
should I even say this word? I hate saying this word. Is this is this a little bit more progressive, I think, than than what they had done in the past? I think this is 2013. It's fundamentally a new band. Even though it is named Gorguts, I don't think we're talking about the same planet or the same genre. We're not even in the same ballpark. This is something totally different. It's 2013. Everyone's been listening to their Opeths and they're between the Buried and Me's. This sounds like the producer knew how to record and mix the Gore Guts sound, whereas before it may not have been that way. I don't think anybody in 2001 or 1998 knew how to present the progressive death metal sound. Now we have that, but we've also had 12 years to come up with new ideas. Yeah, this is probably the most melodic that we've ever heard from Gorguts. I mean, they, they, always, they sometimes had like, on the old records, they had like kind of these melodic, creepy interludes and stuff. But uh, this is not weird, creepy, dissonant stuff like you had on Obscura either. They're not building off that sound anymore. It's really just they wanted to put out a progressive record. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's more Opeth than, than Cannibal Corpse, I guess, if there was a way to describe that. Um, doesn't really sound like Opeth. That's a bad comparison. But like... Um, but there's I a difference mean, between what Opeth is doing and what Cannibal Corpse is doing on any given day. Correct. So it leans it leans more towards the progressive death metal side. Although I don't wouldn't even necessarily call it death metal. It's it's epic. I guess it's still death metal. It's still got the guttural vocals, um, you know, and, and and the blasting and things like that. But just the riffs on this are just absolutely epic. The songs are slower. Um, it's going it's going for almost more of a soundtrack feel. Um, and I, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's great. I don't I don't know if it's great as a Gorguts release, but it is still like really up there for me. I like Colored Sands. It's anti-melodic at times, which is true about everything from Obscura forward. I don't know how to quantify what I hear when I'm listening to this band, specifically the last record. I feel like everything I've heard up to this point from other bands that I like, you mentioned Opeth, Between the Buried and Me, Tony Danza, Tap Dance Extravaganza. I feel like those bands have put me in the audible mindset that I can listen to what Gorguts is doing on this last record and actually process the decisions. It's less of a Captain Beefheart, more of a Opeth, so I'm able to at least take it in. Nothing that this band is doing is pushing me out the door because I don't care how loud and insane you wanted to be on that particular segment, I'm not gonna sit here and listen to it. This one actually sounds like one piece of music that has very unique decisions, very non-chromatic decisions, but it's not the most intense chaotic thing I've ever been forced to listen to and enjoy. And I am enjoying it, just not for the same reasons that I would listen to like an Opeth. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't think this is like too dissonant or anything like that. Like it's not atonal. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very melodic. Like it's very, dare I say, actually enjoyable to listen to. 
<laughs> you know, and you can say I, it. I, I know I'm saying that a lot in regards to Gorguts, but like it just seems like as they go on, I enjoy their stuff more and more, and I like the decisions that they that they've made. Like I said, I I like Obscura, I like that sound, but I think they've they finally gotten to a point where they moved past that. Like they couldn't they couldn't beat that that horse to death too much more, you know. And uh, and so what we got was a kind of a more technical melodic, um, but also kind of. I don't know, more epic sounding record. Again, from a band called Goreguts. Like when you're listening to, like at this point when you're listening to it, you're like, this this isn't Goreguts. Goreguts is like when I think of a band called Goreguts, what I really think about is like a drum machine and like one dude with a guitar that's like going, you know, into the microphone. <laughs> Final thoughts on Goreguts, Dan. Dude, Goreguts is awesome. Um, you know, and I'm I had mentioned Goreguts a long time ago back on our death episode which I think was like episode 12 of discography discussion. And I was saying how I had moved on from bands like death to bands like Gorguts. And, um, you know, really, if you're, if you're a fan of, of the more technical leanings of death, I think that you really could get behind some of the Gorguts stuff. Um, I think Obscura is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. And I don't want anybody to think by any means that I'm saying that it's a bad record because it's probably their best, but the stuff that they put out after Obscura is probably some of their most enjoyable material to listen to. Unless you just love old school death metal, in which case the first two records are going to be heaven for you. Uh, I think the band all around has, hasn't put out a bad record. And um, if, if you haven't listened to Gorguts, I mean, you, you need to listen to Gorguts. They're awesome. Are you tired of listening to the most random band in the room and it sounds like shit, but you're supposed to like it because your co-host insists it's the greatest band of all time? Maybe. If these symptoms describe you, then listen to Gorguts because they are not the most brutal band ever to record. They're not the most random band to ever record. They're not the most melodic. They're nothing that describes your favorite metal band, but they have elements that other bands have taken too far and they execute so much better those ideas. Tom Morello talked about his guitar and his DJ style in multiple interviews. When someone asked him, how do you come up with a new sound? He mentioned total disregard for the instrument. If you break it down to its most basic elements, this is a piece of wood with wires attached to it. It has a jack back here and some knobs over here. What sounds would you make with it? Would you automatically put your fingers in a specific place and make a chord that sounds good? Or would you beat on it a little bit? Goreguts does everything you have heard other bands do, and they create a unique soundscape that could very easily be taken too far, but they never take it too far. They never go so far out of the box that you don't want to listen to it. Dan, what's your album of the week? Oh, my album of the week is, as it has been recently, The Kiss of the Hope by Langsell. In spite of the randomness that can be Gorguts, and I knew it was going to be death metal randomness at its finest, when I wasn't listening to Gorguts, I was listening to Psycho Billy. So my album of the week is Pandelirium by the legendary Shack Shakers. Nice. Sometimes you got to put grease in your hair and get yourself an upright bass and swing it around your head like it's a fucking sword of 
Damocles or whatever the hell you want to say. <laughs> and sometimes you get a guy in a suit who stands on top of that upright bass and does a guitar solo and screams, it's a psychobilly freakout. Wait, that's the Reverend. That's terrifying. Can we talk about the Reverend Horton Heat on the show? No, I never want to hear. Never. Never. <laughs> Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this show and thought to yourself, I really wish they would talk about this band that I know about that nobody else knows about. Well, nobody else knows about it, so you have to tell us. The only way you can really tell us is, well, there's actually a whole bunch of ways. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can join our official group there on Facebook. You can also tweet at us at Discuss Metal or at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe. You can send us an email at Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you there. And if you've ever, ever, ever wanted some discography discussion merchandise, we have that. We have a Teespring store set up. We have the best prices that you're ever going to see on a Teespring store. So check it out. And on that note, this has been episode 176 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. We really do. One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Right